the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I think somehow, some way, some shape and form, I'm going to have to talk about Apple. What a quarter, right? Was it that good of a quarter? It's a good question. Stocks at an all-time high. Playing with trillion-dollar market cap. And you're like, what? Did I hear that right? Um, Yeah, yeah. So how do I want to play this? It's a good question. Apple reported strong earnings. They beat expectations for both revenue and earnings per share. The beat was partially powered by Apple's services business. Let's go back in time a little bit. The Mac, the iPod, the iPhone, the AirPods. You could start like the MacBook Pro. You could kind of start seeing that the product that they make is generally perceived as high quality or something along those lines. Again, I want to be kind of careful because I know some people are going to lash out at me and say, that's not true. It's not high quality. It's it's, it's made for the masses. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Is, <laughs> um, so the history of Apple is one of Steve Jobs and Microsoft and how they competed with each other and how they were so competitive. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak created Apple Computer, which they later is going to change the name to just Apple. And they incorporated the company back in 1977. So 30-plus years, right? When you take a look at them, they're a big multinational company. So anytime a president talks trade tariffs, anytime you talk about countries like China hosting the Olympics, India, the next frontier for selling phones, the, the multinational has a play here. So consumer electronics, one of the, the, the parts of that history of consumer electronics is smaller, cheaper, faster, personal computers, smaller, cheaper, faster, server, smaller, cheaper, faster, software 1.0, 1.1, version 1.2, always make it better. So Apple's core product lines right now, probably the iPhone. Uh, it's funny you use the word smartphone because that's starting to feel dated, right? The iPad, a lot of people... I'm not going to say, eh, maybe the iPad could have been bigger as far as uh, everyone walking around and having them, you know, in their briefcase, pull it out. It's, it doesn't feel it, right? So some of the, the hits are bigger than others. Like when you're at the gym, you see those AirPods everywhere. When you're at the gym, you see the iPhone everywhere. And to me, it's become kind of a luxury Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy kind of thing. Early on, I wasn't impressed with the Apple II, the Apple IIc, the Apple IIe. The, I wasn't impressed with the Macintosh. 
you know, it wasn't my thing. The Super Bowl commercial comes along where they, I'm not going to say do a parody of an Orwellian society and one person breaking through, breaking through the light and that person being Apple. Think different. It's funny. Um, iPod, they ate that product. They cannibalized their own product, right? <coughs> if, excuse me, if Apple didn't come out with a smartphone that was kind of kick butt, the iPod may still be a top seller. They dropped the name computer from the company back in 2007 because they started seeing, wow, this is getting a little out of hand. Um, the Apple logo according to popular urban legend, it resembles the Apple Alan Turing ate before his death. Other people say, we're unaware of that. You know, Jobs and Wozniak had a big run uh, with Apple One, Apple Two, the Apple IPO, uh, basically doing work with IBM, Xerox Park. So the Palo Alto Research Center basically did a pretty good job of messing up something amazing as far as opportunities go and handing it right over to Apple. IBM could have owned the world and they gave it away essentially to Microsoft and Apple to, let's call it $1.8 trillion of business. Yeah, the CEO, Scully. Scully, not the pilot. Um, maybe he's a pilot, I don't know. But John Scully. Uh, started issuing like stock dividends and people were like freaking out uh, between 1988 and 1989 Apple started doing some big acquisitions and you don't hear about big acquisitions right now but yet they could have done one five ten years ago and picked up Netflix maybe they maybe you could count that as a strike because people watch videos people watch videos on their phone and you could probably go back six, seven, eight, nine years. People are like, I'm not going to watch a video on my phone. It's too small. I want a 60-inch TV. We climbed from a society of like 18-inch black and white to 20-inch color, 25 to 25-inch with a remote control to 60-inch to 100-inch. I, I don't even know the biggest TV that a friend of mine owns because we don't care anymore. Five, 10 years ago, it was kind of a status symbol. How big is your TV? <laughs> right? So, Scully eventually gets taken down as CEO of the company after some acquisitions like Styleware, Corral Software, Orion Networks. It was okay. It was okay, right? But the Mac family started to become kind of, kind of popular, kind of cult-like. Uh, people that used Macs loved Macs. There's you know, a lot of Mac addict magazines. And back in about 1990, 1991, somewhere in that time, it started to become the golden age of Macintosh. And now you don't even talk about Macintosh computers, right? Apple's fiercest competitors early on was Amiga and the Atari ST platforms. The IBM PC, a lot more popular than Atari, Amiga, and um, Apple. I remember I had a, I didn't have, my father had an 8086 um, IBM computer. And then things kind of really started getting kind of a little wonky in the mid-90s as the vision wasn't there. So Gil Emilio was ousted as CEO. He had taken over for Scully. <coughs> Excuse me. 
got a little bit of a dry cough. I hope it's not. I hope it's not the black lung. Gil Emilio comes in the mid nineties, ninety six, and Jobs steps in as CEO. Um, he takes over from Gil Emilio back in the late nineties, and uh, he kind of brought his own company. He brought Next Software. So he left Apple, starts a software company, comes back. He and while he was gone from Apple, he started a little company called Pixar. Co-started it. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Apple's quarter, but I kind of wanted to go back into way back land and think about it for just a minute and uh, start, you know, appreciating what a trillion dollar company is and how they resurged and how they evolved and how they, they transitioned. The Apple Watch, I thought it was, the first one was clunky. I got a third version or a fourth version. You know, people have them now, right? I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. So one of the things that I've done really well is I've I've tried to treat you with respect as a listener. And I've tried to keep you involved in the stock market. And when it's down, you're going to feel like, why is that jerk Rob not tell me to sell exactly at the top? Because I don't do that. It's worthy of note. I practice what I preach. I bought Microsoft in the mid-90s, and I held it. And it was a disaster for a while. I bought Apple, and I've held it. Buy great companies. Don't worry about prices. I'd rather own a great company than a stock that's at $2. But Rob, a stock at $2 can go to $4. A lot easier than a stock at 200 can go to 400. No, that's not true. It depends on how many shares are out there, and it depends on how many what the supply and demand is. So Apple is now flirting with a one trillion dollar market cap. In their conference call yesterday, well, let's start with their their quarter. They beat they beat earnings by 16 cents a share. That's impressive. It's not crazy, but revenues rose 17 percent year over year. That's not bad. If you come home tonight and you kiss your sugar booger and you go, I got a 17% increase in salary this year, you'd be like, woo, now don't go blowing it. You still got to, you know, boil it down to how much do you earn, to how much do you keep. Their gross margins were 38.3%, exactly in line with expectations. It's down slightly from last year's 38.5%. iPhone shipment. So by selling the $1,000 iPhone, you don't have to sell a lot of them to have good margins. And expect more $1,000 phones in the future. That's going to be out there. They issued some upside guidance. So not only did they beat this quarter, but they said next quarter looks pretty good too. Now, the current quarter that we're in, I'm just going to call it the summer quarter. We're waiting to see what the new phones are going to look like in the fall. And, you know, they probably need to slow down. And don't show us a new phone every fall because, well, maybe that's just the way they're putting their, their, their boot on the competition's throat. Revenues grew 20% in the Americas, 14% in Europe, 19% in China, up 7% in Japan. Now, in China, it was only $9.55 billion. That's not much. Service revenue, though, was up 31% overall, pulling in $9.55 billion. That services, cloud services, money that they get from the App Store, money that they get from the music, Apple Music, 
you could see that it was a pretty good quarter for services up 31%. If they were just to break off the services part of their business, it would be a top company in the world. Fortune 500 type class. And that's something that we never thought of without, we're talking Apple computer, right? It's their best June quarter ever, fourth consecutive quarter of double digit revenue growth. It's a product cycle issue there. Operating cash flow of $14.5 billion. They returned $25 billion to investors, $20 billion in share repurchase. That was included in that. They see strong double-digit growth in the emerging markets. They look to expand business. They reduce the iPhone channel inventory. So there's not a lot of inventory out there, or there's less. And again, when they come out with a new phone, people are going to go, I'm not going to buy that iPhone 7 or 8. I want the 9. People will wait. That's the idea of cutting the inventory. Or maybe you have to slash the price if it's sitting on the shelf too long in technology. Services revenue hit that new record despite a one-time items being various lawsuits. Generated double-digit services growth in all geographic segments. Mac, sh- Mac shipments were negatively impacted by timing of MacBook Pro launches. Uh, company does not expect favorable currency impacts to repeat in the fourth quarter due to the strong rise of the dollar recently. Uh, memory prices have been a negative recently, but they're starting to slack off their that component cost. So it's a pretty good quarter. Apple's now flirting with a $1 trillion valuation. It's at all-time highs. It's remarkable. The company was able to grow iPhone revenue 20%. Shipments grew just 1%. What? It's pretty well known that there isn't much growth in the smartphone market these days, and Tim Cook was asked that, and he's not bothered by it, he says. Now, again, I got the AirPods. I'll probably stick with them for the next 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know. Maybe five. Maybe one. Who knows? What will the next version do? Will it monitor my heart as I'm pushing, you know, not my golden years? As I'm getting older, I'm a little less enamored with tech. But with that being said, if they get AirPods that I can put in my ears and listen to music or listen to, you know, like a Howard Stern show or something like that, as that happens... If they, if they come out with something, maybe it, it does my heartbeat. I'm like, I'm getting older. I don't need the rock and roll music. I don't need, but if it can monitor my heartbeat and tell me, like, hey, you're having a, a, a stressful day, you may want to go see a doctor. They're going to build that into the AirPods. They're going to build that into the watch. Again, I don't know, but that's a lot of speculation, and they've been pretty good about it. So they're going to double their service revenues by 2020. $50 billion is expected. Go write that number down. It's crazy. iPhone is clearly Apple's bread and butter, though. And who doesn't like bread and butter, even though it's probably one of the worst one-two combinations for you on the planet, right? Sweet. So as we have rolled into the month of August, we now start to think September, back to school. What's little Johnny going to want to impress all the kids at school? Wrangler jeans? Little Jeanette may want, like, Capri pants? No, they want Apple phones. They want the new one. It's crazy. So look for three new iPhone models in September when it's back to school time. All of them will have Face ID, the 3D sensing technology, which, for the record, is pretty annoying, all things considered. I've had to punch in my six-digit passcode, uh, I'm not going to say more, way more than I thought I would have. It works, the facial recognition, but maybe I'm just ugly. Maybe my face is busted and the iPhone says, no. 
But we're going to get an updated iPhone X. We're going to get a larger iPhone X in September. And we'll probably get some new lower-end phones that are going to you know, stick with LCD screens instead of going with the flagship OLED technology. So, again, they're saying, hey, if you want a Porsche, you're paying for a Porsche. It's nice eye candy. Well, if you want a Bugatti, you pay for a Bugatti. This is not a Chevette. So the race to $1 trillion. Apple stock, would I buy it today? It's trading at 15-time estimates for next year. That's not crazy. They've got a lot of cash, and they're buying back shares. They're paying out dividends. Do I expect it to go to $2 trillion? Do I expect it to double in the next five years? I don't know. I can tell you I don't think it's going to quadruple unless they come out with something that cures hemorrhoids or something radically different. It's a good company. It's a value tech company. It's most exciting days because of its valuation probably are behind it, but I do own it, and I will tell you when I let it go. It's holding up quite nicely. I'm Rob Black. You're talking all things financial with me. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So let's talk a little bit about buying second homes, about getting a mortgage. Is it easier or tougher to get a second home, getaway home uh, from the, on the lending side? A lot of people have bought a home before. A lot of people have bought condos before. How about getaway homes, vacation homes? And they're, they're, they're harder. Uh, and it should start because you, the second home doesn't generate any income. So okay. you have to make more money. So that's, I guess, is the harder part. But uh, for the most part, it's the same rates and guidelines as if it was a primary residence. So when it all comes down to it, it's, it's all about the money. Why did employees come and talk to my producer during the radio shows? You need to put a sign out, Mike. What? That says, leave me alone. Really? Get out. Get out. <laughs> I have a new Phil Hort. Like, hey, I'm going to go talk to Rob's producer. He doesn't need to focus. Rob just said the word. What did he say? Whoa. FCC gets involved. So anyway, second homes. As I'm getting older, you and I have conversations on a regular basis. And one of the things you go, you go, Rob, when are you going to enjoy your money? It's a good question. I think everyone should ask that question. And... How do I enjoy my money? Uh, is it cars? No. Is it women? No. Is it drugs? Maybe some. Um, but only Sweet. In and only in controlled environments. Um, is it... Like, the idea of getting a Tesla to me, an $80,000 vehicle, I've got no interest. Um, a Bugatti? I'd rather play an Xbox that has a Bugatti in it. And say I did it, or go to Vegas and spend two hundred dollars, get on a track and drive a Bugatti for a weekend. That'd be fun. But to me, it's like, why would I want to own something that is so much money when I could feed a, a, a army of elephants, or I can you know start a foundation, wipe the poor baby elephant's butt because he's got a broken trunk and can't do it himself. Like I, that's the that's the people that I want to save. <laughs> That was more distracting to your producer than the other guy walking in, by the way. That other guy was a dude. Uh, do that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about second homes. Like, to me, do you see what I'm saying is important to me? The idea of going to nature and getting away from the parking lot that is the peninsula, getting away from the yeah. people that are the peninsula people. It, Shallow Alto. You know, 
I think buying a second home is kind of like buying a timeshare. If if you use it, it's going to make sense. Uh, timeshares get a bad rap unless you're the guy who buys the timeshare or the second home that uses it. If you buy a, a second Speaking home, of bad rap. You know my my rapper. <laughs> did, did I say did I say bad rap? Yeah, he said okay. timeshares get bad rap, and I was a bad rapper. I was. My, my, oh, I was bouncing Bobby Black. We definitely record this because we want to hear Rob rap. No, no, no. <laughs> I'll stop right there. So Go ahead. Back uh, to you. Timeshares get bad raps, but if you use them, if you yeah, so if you buy, let's say you buy a second home or a timeshare, but then you don't vacation there and you're spending money somewhere else. Why did you buy it? It, it just doesn't make any sense. So, um, I I imagine that uh, you know, eighty ninety percent of the people who are buying second homes are doing it the right way, and that's. They're going to plan on vacations. And, you know, you go to a place like California, you, you take Tahoe, for example, or some up north or Santa Cruz, and you say, I'm, I like the beach. Um, and we're going to go to the beach. We, we've been going to the beach four times a year. We're going to go to Santa Cruz this time and then turn it into a vacation home when you're not using it or Airbnb it out, a VRBO. Uh, same thing with a Tahoe type of property. I like skiing. I like the summers at the lake. Um, if you use it, and you're not going to Hawaii every other month instead of your vacation home. Um, that that makes sense. Yeah. So, quick question: We just heard a little Beach Boys. Who sang the song "Surf City"? I, I, the Beach Boys. I'm guessing it's Jan and Dean. Sir, is it? I, I see. I don't no know. Idea. Like I have like, no clue on my surf history music. Ninety percent of people listening don't even know what you're talking about. So that would be a good trivia question for people with dementia like you and me. <laughs> we knew this as kids. We don't know it as adults. Jan and Dean. Jan and Dean is the correct answer. Ding, 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 ding. Let's see how much Rob bet. One penny? You're not allowed to bet one penny. Alex Trebek would be like, you bet one penny? Get out of here. Alex Trebek may be my favorite Canadian. I think we all should have a favorite Canadian. Do you have a favorite Canadian? Alan Thicke was was a good choice, but he's dead. Um, I I grew up listening to Rush. So I'll take Getty Lee. Getty Lee, Big sure. Pop. You know they've stopped you playing because Neil Pert, the drummer's hands are just destroyed. Oh, yeah, best drummer ever. I disagree. Okay, name so, another one. Um, the guy from John Imagine Bonham. Dra- the guy from Imagine Dragons. The guy from Dave Matthews, uh, which is pretty good. Yeah, Don't know his yeah. name. Loa. So. Oh God! Thank you. I always thought, I always thought Rush was so great. Yes, they've got five songs that are great, but they've got fifty-three albums to come up with five good songs. Say what? I'm just saying. Canada's got this mandate that Canadian radio stations have to play so much Canadian music. I think Trump should invade Canada, take over the radio stations, and, and get Getty Lee and Rush off the air. Yeah, Trump, Trump's going to latch onto that idea. We could invade Canada. Because you'd be in jail. Well, I call it NAFTA. We could just call it America. You're like, does, doesn't even make sense. The United States. <laughs> I love it when Trump had a stroke. Remember that time? <laughs> I was not. Um, okay, so back to second homes. So for me, if if you're going to live in congestion, then you want something that gets you out of congestion, so to speak. Or if you're going to live in density, you want something that gets you out of density. Um, but from what I've learned about second homes is they don't really go up in value much. 
They're going to be a little more sensitive to the economy, certainly. Okay. Um, you know, people who are exposed to large swings of money um, are going to care a little bit more about what they're spending on their disposable income. Uh, what we've seen a lot recently are people basically saying, I'm going to buy that condo that in not a thousand square foot property, you know, of me, I might even have kids. Uh, but then they're going to go out and buy property somewhere else where they can do their family events. Uh, we've seen a, a little bit more of that and lenders are, are really opening up. We did, we just did a second home in Sacramento. Yes. Yeah, Sacramento downtown. And these people are uh, doing their Thanksgivings and Christmases and, and, and it's like their staging point for, you know, their adventures up in the, in the mountains and, I think we're going to see more of that and, and lenders are really figuring it out. Yeah. You still have to follow, you know, you have to be in a destination that makes sense and you write a good letter and this one was a little tougher, but the lenders are figuring this out because of the place like the Bay area where people just need to get, have that getaway. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, you want to get away. Everybody wants a getaway and you don't want to go up and be that guy spending $3,000 a week to rent a place when wait, that I just paid for their mortgage that whole month. Have you ever been working on a home loan for someone and found out like they had secret rooms in their home secret rooms uh, not secret question. rooms but rooms that uh secret to the county maybe unpermitted additions and things like that yeah, yeah. what do you do when you see that uh depending on how the work is done it, it it'll probably pass for example let's say you do a, an unpermitted bathroom as long as it's done in workmanlike fashion and uh what they'll do is if it's a three and two they'll they'll comp or compare that property to other three and ones, not three and two. So they'll just take the square footage out of the property. Okay. So Bruce Wayne, he had a big bat cave that had a lot of square square footage underneath. Probably couldn't sell it unless he's selling it to an evil villain superhero. I mean, he's his, he's limited. Most people aren't going to go for that. <laughs> Um, got this nice 26-bedroom <laughs> mansion that has a lair underneath it. Yeah, those are tough. And yet, the real estate team of Dana and Dana, oddly enough, they're both named Dana, married to two guys named Dan and Dan. But the real estate team of Dana and Dana will gladly sell you the Batcave. <laughs> Bonus room. Oh, what was that all about? I'm not going to get into realtors. I'm going to be nice today. But... God, they love talking about how great they are. I'm very important. And how great California is. And how great California is. <laughs> You've got to mention that. We've got this beach right over here. Um, there's syringes all over it from the homeless people. But it's a beach. Just look at his free needles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, California does, uh, the Bay Area does offer quite a bit of amenities. Uh Wine country, the beaches, the you know fishing, the boating. I love sailing, so I mean, I I, I dig it. Um, yeah, it's just a little harder to get around. I think that, the, and and yeah, if you get it, if you if buying a place makes sense, and, and granted, we have one of the highest rented communities here in in the United States, the whole Bay Area. Mm-hmm. A lot of people rent, and that's probably mm-hmm. the the worst epidemic. That what's that face for? Nothing. Uh, is is we have a lot, we have Prop 13, we have parent-to-child transfers, we have a lot of reasons for people with key properties. Um, we're going to continue seeing low inventory in that respect where you, you've talked about your property. You said if you moved, you're never selling the house. It's close to Stanford. It's close to, it's always going to rent for X dollar amount. And why would I ever sell it? I'll give it, give it to my kids. And that's going to keep going and going and going. 
So, and without new building, we're going to see an inventory crunch for, for years to come, regardless of interest rates. I think home prices stay very, pretty steady. In addition to the fact that pretty much everybody buying houses and refinancing has done it through the toughest guidelines we've ever seen. It's Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Those tougher guidelines are actually positive, in my opinion, because we're giving loans to people who could afford to pay them back or... We'll take the property away from them if we have to, but we're not giving loans to people who shouldn't. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So I'm talking a lot about digital media in 2018 and technology. Generation Z is going to take over as the demographic to pay attention to. Um, It's people born between 1996 and 2011. They represent 40% of the U.S. consumers by 2020. Wall Street is a future discounting mechanism. So it's basically looking six months in the future. And you start looking at the calendar, 2018, you're like, whoa, we're not that far away from Generation Z representing 40% of the U.S. consumers. When you're the dominant group, people pay attention to you because you go to where the money flows. Digital publishers are going to look to diversify revenue beyond advertising. Um, so digital publishers are going to look for new revenue streams, combination of subscriptions and brand licensing and merchandising and e-commerce partnerships. I saw in 2017, Live Nation and Ticketmaster made a deal that basically uh, they're, they're, not only can you buy your concert ticket, but you can buy the concert swag. You can buy the shirt from these guys. So if you want the Madonna Like a Virgin Tour shirt, you, have, you don't have to, but you can pre-order it so you can actually show up to the show with it. They don't want to just make money like the way they used to of service fees and maybe a cut of the ticket. Now they also want to sell you some of the, the goods. In Europe, and um, uh, where do I go with this? Amazon is already selling tickets to concerts. Do you think that's going to continue or do you think that's going to stop? No, everyone's looking for new revenue streams. Artificial intelligence is a buzzword. Bzzz. And it's played a bigger role in advertising. More brands and marketers are using artificial intelligence to improve the targeting and efficiency of their ads. I don't like that. Sometimes my phone creeps me out. Sometimes websites creep me out. If I happen to go skiing two weeks ago, why all of a sudden am I getting skis 50% off sales on my webpages, ads delivered to me? But highly personalized brand messages and content... Um, ways of measuring campaign analytics. It gives big instant insights on performance. I like to give speeches on how to save money for retirement. And in the past, I've just looked at the density of population. So in the Bay Area, we've got counties like Marin, where there's a lot of trees. There's not a lot of high-rises. There's not a lot of businesses. I don't do seminars there because there's not enough people. to. I want to draw 100 people per crowd. So I, I, I look at the East Bay, I'm like, same thing. Um, there are a lot of younger people who necessarily don't have money, <clears throat> so they, nor do they want to save money. So I look basically from like San Mateo to San Jose as my, my you know, data. That's not very smart of me. That's just the you know, population census. Now, it's worked, but you get the idea. Amazon's going to be a big story in 2018 as they're upgrading their advertising tools. And it's inching closer to becoming a third dominant advertising force, breaking up the duopoly. Um, Amazon wants, you know, a lot of self-serve capabilities that when you come, you could advertise with them. 
So the old advertising companies like WPP, Omnicom, and Publicis, they're going to collect you know, easily 800 plus million to advertise on Amazon over the next several years because Google and Facebook, they dominate the digital ads and Amazon's like, well, we could do that too. So they're building tools, Amazon at the current point in time so that ad buyers at WPP, Omnicom and Publicis can like, you know, self-serve themselves. Um, Amazon's ad business is a long way off from Google's and Facebook. Amazon generated ad revenue in 2017 in low single-digit billions. Low single-digit billions. That's minuscule. When you look at Google, 61 billion, and Facebook, 27 billion. And that was only through like half, three-quarters of 2017. Amazon wants a piece of that pie. My favorite pie chart is how much pie do I eat? I'm a big pie chart fan. Get in my belly! That's right. Get in my belly. Apps and platforms are another topic of 2018. And again, you're seeing app store ecosystems trying to get more robust and reliable revenue streams, and they're shifting to higher quality content. You know, it's cute that, you know, you could have 40,000 apps, but if only 30 or 40 of them are generating, you know, big revenue, let's focus on that. And let's get them to generate bigger revenue. Smartphones are going to continue to become less of a central hub in developed markets as we're starting to see connected speakers and virtual reality and augmented reality headsets um, continue to chip away at the dominance on digital platforms. So the phone app store will play into the virtual reality app store and the augmented reality app store and the connected speaker. Right now, on your connected speaker, Amazon Alexa, for instance, you could say, hey, let's play Jeopardy. And someone's come up with an app for it. And at some point in time, to get like the real Alex Trebek, who let's hope he doesn't have a stroke, because then he's going to sound like, the answer is... Jeff Bezos is watching right? you. Like You don't want that. But you would pay for the real Alex Trebek to play Jeopardy in your house, right? I'll take the rapists for 200 <laughs> That's therapist. So Amazon's dominant in the voice assistant market with the Alexa-enabled speaker and services. And if you go look at what Alexa can and can't do, they've said it's an open system. If anyone wants to develop anything for it, you can, you can do that. So Google Home and Apple's HomePod are going to say, we don't want you to run away with this category. We want to piece that action, too. Um, Apple has made a bit of a mistake with the App Store in the past few years by letting too many apps on it. Google lets way too many apps on it, and sometimes they've got like Chinese viruses that spy on what you're doing, steal your credit cards. Apple's tried to stay away from that, but they're still at this point in time it's a little too wild, wild west, whereas Google's got the wild, 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 wild west in their Play Store. Yeah, I'm Rob Black, Stock Talk, looking at the future, talking investing, talking ideas. Stick with me. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.